go. All right. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 25. Before I read this passage, I just want to say, I don't know if many of you know this, but these are some of the most powerful words that's ever been written, quite frankly. Uh, it doesn't look like much, but this is a description of the mission of the church and why the gospel has been changing the world. Ever since Jesus has come and the gospel has been going out into the world, the church has been willing to sacrifice. People who believe in this gospel have been willing to sacrifice of their comfort zone, of their money, of their own cultural, of their own cultural preferences. They've been willing to sacrifice so that the walls of unbelief, the barriers that people don't normally say, this is Jesus, who's this Jesus person, can come down and people can meet the true and living God. And it's from these words. These, <laughs> these few verses I'm about to read have literally been history changing. And I want you to understand this. And this is part why it's important to talk about in today's part eight of our series on the church. What makes the church so Incredible! What makes the church the church? So as I read, let me get into this verse, and I mean, let me get these verses. In today's message, I'm calling the sacrificial barrier-breaking mission of the church. First Corinthians chapter nine, verse nineteen. This is the word of God. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we, we do these things for an imperishable. So let's, uh, let's pray for today's message. An imperishable reward. May we be a people, a church, that exercises a certain sense of self-control. We'd have mastery over ourselves, and we'd be willing to lay down our lives and set aside our own privileges and our own comforts so that we may win some, Lord. There's so many people in this city. Some are like Jews, and in other words, some are of the law, and some are relativists. They have no clue what is right and what's wrong. And we live in a time not unlike the Corinthian church. Will you make us a church? Will you make us not a church trapped trapped in our own preferences and in their own little, the smallness of our own culture, but would you break these things down so that those who are in other cultures, their barriers can come down, that we may meet you. 
that we as a church, we would be like Paul, and we could say, we do all these things so that we may save some. Lord, you are a treasure. There's nothing more important in this life than to know Jesus, because you have saved us, and through him we have God. And so would you use this, today's message, and would you plant an important and very powerful seed into our hearts that we would be able to say this with Paul and be the church. In Jesus' name, amen. As is uh, my norm, I would like to speak about this message in three parts. Part one, I'm going to call cultural barriers and sacrifice cultural barriers and sacrifice. Part two, by all means, save some. By all means, we would save some. And part three, so we would have an imperishable reward. What is imperishable reward? Part one, cultural barriers and sacrifice. This is a very strange thing that Paul says. He says, to the Jews I became as a Jew. To those outside the law, I became as those outside the law. Um, I want to say, what is he talking about here? Um, Many of you know that every culture has certain, they have certain kind of biases. Every culture has certain kinds of of, uh, understanding of who is God, what is God? What is human beings? What is the meaning of life? What's right and what's wrong? We have a whole series of of patterns. And culture is really that. Culture is a set of habits. It's a set of habits of how you look at the world and how you do things and what we eat, the music we listen to, the way we we greet one another. It's a a whole set of habits, and it's so deeply ingrained, but it's it's a communal set of habits. It's not just, I like to have the toilet paper on the one side versus the other side. I like to get up on one side. But those are your habits. It's our habits. And every culture has a certain set of beliefs that are set into all those habits. And in order to make Jesus seen, sometimes we, you, have to, you can't be so weird. <laughs> you know, you, you show up, if you show up into a, a world, because that's what a culture is, it's a world. And, you know, we can live in San Jose... You can live here in the city of San Jose, but if you go into certain parts of town, they eat this stuff called pho. And they have certain celebrations in this thing that they don't even celebrate New Year's, the time that the rest of the city celebrates New Year's. You know that? They go, this is our New Year's. (laughs) Because, and even though it's still San Jose, they eat a different food. Some of them have different religious practices. They have different understandings that when they greet one another, they probably don't shake hands. And so this is their habits. But once you go into those portions of San Jose, even though it's San Jose and you're like, this is, the, this is our city, you are in a different world. You get it? You understand what I'm saying? And, you know, you can go to a different part of San Jose. It's, it's the little portion of, uh, along El Camino Real and Lawrence Expressway. And they eat kimchi <laughs> over there on that portion of town. And, and they don't shake hands when they greet one another. They tend to bow. Right? So this, that's a, it's a different world. And what is Paul saying here? He's saying, when I go into the world of the Jews, you know what I'm going to be? I'm going to be like a Jew. 
And that's strange. That's not hard for him because he's, he is a Jew. It, and this is what he says a very strange thing. To the Jew, I will be like a Jew, even though I'm not under the law. That's an incredible thing for a Jewish person to say. You understand that? He grew up his whole life. He was taught the Bible. And they said, God gave us this law. There was a guy named Moses, and he came off the mountain. And this set of rules that Moses gave us, it wasn't just any old set of rules. It was from God. And it formed us as a people. And it doesn't matter if all the other people around us, in their portion of town, they don't follow this. We do. Because this comes from God. But here he's saying, actually, I'm not under the law. Isn't that incredible? And so they would practice these things like Passover. They would do Yom Kippur. And he would say, I actually don't need to do those things because I'm under Christ. But when I'm with them, you know what I'm going to be? I'm going to be a Jew. I will do Passover because it's not a sin to do Passover. Um, I will celebrate Yom Kippur. It's not a sin to celebrate Yom Kippur. I'm going to go be with them. So I could be like them, but they'll start to realize I'm not quite like them. I'm going to start talking about this guy named Jesus. And I'm going to say, you've been waiting for this guy who's the Messiah. And you know what? He showed up. <laughs> and we're not saved by that lamb that you like to sacrifice every year, whose blood is supposed to wash us of our sins. There was a greater lamb, and his name is Jesus. And so he said to a Jew, I'll be like a Jew. And then, but he says this, and he says, but then when I go, and to those outside the law, what he's talking about is he's talking about all the people who aren't Jews, the Gentiles. And that's what he means. When he's saying, those outside the law, I will be like those outside the law. And so, Paul, Paul is the one who really understood this. He even understands better than Peter. There's a place in, where he confronts Peter saying, hey, look, when you are around the Gentiles, you eat the stuff that they eat. But when the other Jewish guys showed up, all of a sudden you stop, you stop fellowshipping with the Gentiles. That's wrong. What he's, what he, you know what he's, he really understood? He realized he was called to reach these, all these other odd cultures. He grew up in a culture. He knew what was right and wrong, but now he's all of a sudden going to hang out with a set of people. Some of these guys go into the temple and they go into the temple and they, they have sex with the prostitutes in the temple. Some of these guys would practice what we would call homosexuality. I don't only just sleep with the, the girls in the temple, I sleep with the guys in the temple. And then afterwards we have a feast. We eat foods. And you know, have no idea. He was like, they do wash. You know, the, the, the Jews, they all ritually cleanse and wash their hands before they eat together. And they don't eat pork. But now Paul is going to say to, the, one, to those outside the law, I'm going to be like those outside the law. Of course, I'm not going to do temple prostitution because that's sin. But when they go and invite me to their house for meals and they stick a pork chop in front of me, and remember, this is a guy who's never touched pork his whole life. Because God, that's disgusting food. And he's always done ritual washing. And now he's going to eat food and he's going to look at their hands <laughs> Because they're saying, where are those disgusting hands have been? You wash? I didn't see you wash before this meal. And now you're serving me a pork chop. And you know what Paul's saying? I'll eat that pork chop. 
and I will let those hands touch my hands because that's not sin. To those outside the law, I will sacrifice what is comfortable to me. All these things that are, this is really hard for me. (laughs) It is really hard for me to eat that pork chop. You know what? I'll eat it because that's not sin because Jesus said it's okay to eat it so that when they, when I'm with them, they'll see that I love them. I honor them. I care more about them than I care about my own cultural preferences. This is what he's saying. So that I will enter into their world. Because if you go to El Camino Real and Lawrence Expresso, you're going to eat kimchi. And if you say, I don't want that, any of that stuff, you know, what you're saying is I reject this food. Right? But if you go to the other side of town, you're going to eat a burrito or you can eat pho. Because that's their world. And if some of the food that they offer you is a little weird, and you're like, that's kind of weird, but okay, I'll try it. <laughs> It'll be a stretch for me, but I'll try it. You'll try it. And, and, and now we're just talking about food, but this is what Paul is saying. Why? So that I would win some. Um, there's a, there, let me just give you one more example of this. I mean, let me give you one more example, one picture of this. There's a, there's a famous missionary, and I named my son after this missionary. His name is Hudson Taylor. Hudson Taylor is one of the most important missionaries in the last few hundred years. Hudson Taylor is an Englishman. He went to China. He went off to China, and all the other, all the other uh, European Christians who were there to spread the gospel, they would stay in Shanghai, and they would wear their Western clothes. And he said, how are we going to reach this country if we wear English clothes and if we stay in Shanghai. So he decided to wear Chinese clothes. He started to eat the Chinese food. He got on a boat, went up the river, went into the mountains. He started to speak their language and he started to wear, he started to grow out his hair and he was known as the white guy with the pigtail, the pigtails. And so, of course, he, they were like, he was kind of shocking because he was like a white face, but he said, but you're wearing our clothes and you eat our food and began to preach the gospel and that's how he won. Some for Jesus. And this question of breaking down barriers. You know, in the Bible, the Bible teaches that the first place where these folks were called Christians, in the early church, the first Christians, you know, they, they were all Jewish. It was monocultural. Some were Jews in Palestine and some were Jews throughout the empire, but they're all, it was monocultural, one ethnicity. And you know what? The world would have fully understood that. Even to this day, I mean, more and more now, this is starting to break, and part of it is because of Christianity. But even to this day, most people think your religion is based upon your ethnicity. I mean, unfortunately, a lot of people still think this even about Christianity. If you're white European, you're supposed to be a Christian. That's what people used to th- think 30 years ago. Nowadays, if you're a white European, you're an atheist. <laughs> okay? Uh, what's, their, what's, their, what's their religion of the French? Well, they're atheists. Okay? Um, but actually, historically, the religion of the French were Catholics. But you, know, you go into India. What, what's the religion of India? Hindus? What's the religion of, uh, of Thailand? Buddhism? So it was known that you, you were born into what your beliefs about God. Your culture told you, and, you're, and if you 
break off of this, you're rejecting your culture. But the first time people were called Christians, it, according to the Bible, it happened in the city of Antioch. And in Antioch is the, is the first time that the Jewish, the Jewish people believed that Jesus is the Messiah. In other words, the Jewish Christians were the first time they would decide to share the gospel with their neighbors who were Gentiles. In other words, outside the law. And I don't know if you know this, but every culture is racist. <laughs> okay? Every culture favors their own culture. You know, you grew up eating kimchi. You like kimchi because you grew up eating kimchi. You like hamburgers. You like hamburgers. Right? You, you think there is a... There, the, 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 the average Caucasian American thinks that the way of respectfully showing... Um, to show respect to another person is to look a man straight in the eye, put out your hand, and you grip his hand man to man. You look him straight in the eye. But I've been told that in Native American cultures, one of the things that really bothers them is that if you're talking them, looking them straight in the eye, they actually consider that rude. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that incredible? And so... You know, when the Native American guy is looking down, the, the, the Caucasian guy is looking at like saying, hey, man, he's like, you have no respect for me. Why? We're all cultural imperialists. And the Romans back then, they knew that this is what everybody, every culture was like this. And so they're saying, if we just let all these different races and ethnicities all milk, what we're going to have is riots and fights throughout the city because that's what happens. And we've had them in America too. We, and we still do. We're, we're probably one of the most racially, most tolerant society that's ever been on this planet. But the Romans, were the, they beat us to the punch. You know how they did it? What they literally did was they would put walls up in the city. <laughs> They'd say, you guys, Syrians over here, Jews over here, you guys over here, we're actually going to put up walls. Stay in your quarters. And, but what would happen is as some of these people were becoming Christians, they would gather together to worship. And they would, they would move between the walls. And they'd have this gathering where this guy is only supposed to be in, in, in that neighborhood, and this guy is only supposed to be in this corner. And they'd gather together, and all the other people who believed in all their religions didn't know what to make of these people. What the heck? What do you call these guys? And they're interested in some guy named Jesus Christ, the Christ. So let's call them Christians. It's always been this way with the church. The church is a barrier-breaking mission. And when the church decides to say, we're just going to stay in our own little comfort zone, the thing that makes the church so incredible and earth-shaking, we're, we're stepping back from it. We're actually losing it. And look, America badly wants to figure out what does it mean to be a multi-ethnic inclusive society, but yet we're still this segregated culture. <laughs> we want to brag that we're this multiracial oneness society, but our, our politics is so dysfunctional. And, 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 and all our different ethnicities, we still live in different quarters, and we may live next door to each other, but a lot of people in our neighborhoods, you know, the, my, my neighbor is Chinese, and I, I don't know him. Uh, the person who lives down the street is, is Mexican, and, and, the, and, the, and the, the, these guys, these guys, they don't hang out. That's what it's like. And yet the church is supposed to be a wilder family with this incredible mission. 
And it's right here. It's right here. Let me go to part two of my message. By all means, save some. Let's go to verse 22. Now, Paul says something right here in verse 22. So he actually breaks this down. Jews, to those who have the law, will be like those who have the law. To those outside the law, will be like those. T- today, I would, just, I would say, to evangelicals, let's try to be like Christians. Actually, there's an evangelical culture. I do not assume that all people who say that they go to an evangelical church are Christians. So it's actually, we have to do church so that people inside the church who have the right law, and then what we do is we proclaim the gospel to them, uh, to, to the church, that will be like a church person to reach the church for Jesus. It's kind of interesting. But there's lots of people outside of the church, they're relativists, they're outside the law. So we have the churched with the law, outside the law, the unchurched, and then we have this third, this third category that Paul talks to the weak. I became weak. This is one of the things that made the church so great. They go to the people. And in every way, people feel different weak. Do you feel totally strong in every aspect of your life? But we do it in our church too. We have this ministry right here next door. It's called this Harangjigi Ministry. And the Sarajigi ministry is for the developmentally disabled, literally to the weak. Some people go into that room, uh, to the weak, I'll be weak, so that we would say so. But he goes on to say this thing. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. Look, in our church, I want to put, I want to pr- put this principle out. By all means, I would save some. You know why we're not, a, a, some people go, you can't have a, a, a you can't have a, um, uh, you can't have this uh, a party. <laughs> uh, you can't have a baby shower party in, in the room where everybody's supposed to worship because that's, that's wrong. Where, where does it say that in the Bible? <laughs> it doesn't say that in the Bible. Now, it's, it, honestly, it would be nice if we had a little more space in, in this church, but it doesn't say that. We do this by any means, it would say so. We've done some, some strange stuff in our church. Um, do you know that we run a first service in this church? Do you know how many people come to first service? This morning, I'll tell you how many people came to first service. Four people came to first service. Three of them were pastors. <laughs> we had Frank sitting back there, you know, running the AV. Joe led praise. I did the preaching. And, we're, and we actually said, what if nobody comes? <laughs> and, um, and, then, and then Joe Lee, one of our, our, our um, elementary school teachers, showed up. And I said, well, if nobody comes, let's praise a couple songs, and then let's go out to breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking, when in the middle of breakfast, I'm going to go to part three of my sermon and like, you know, like start preaching it. Right in, yeah, we're going to probably sit in McDonald's. <laughs> we'll sit in McDonald's, and I'll just preach right into point three of my uh, message right into Frank and to Joe. <laughs> right? But wh- why do we do that? So that even though they may only be a few, those people who are willing to sacrifice their energy and time for the mission to the next generation for, the, for the, our Sunday school, they will not shrivel up spiritually. And we trust, it doesn't matter if there's only a few people in the room, God shows up. By all means, we'll say some. Okay. I want to show you a video of a... Of a 
from a church that many of you probably know of, that you don't, but you don't know of. <laughs> you don't know that you know. Um, how many of you have a little app on your phone called the Holy Bible? Any of you had that app? That's like half the room. Oh, actually, two-thirds of you have that app. And if you ever look at that, it says Holy Bible. And you know who came up with this app? Life Church TV. Life Church. Life Church TV is actually a church. And the lead pastor of the church is a guy named Craig Rochelle. And I want to show you a little two-minute video. So I want you to crank up the sound here, right? And we're going to start this. And this is, this is, their, this is their vision and values. There's their missional vision and their values. And when I show this to you, I, I, I mean, it's a snazzy little video. And I'm not, I want you to less pay attention about what they do, but their heart, how they think. This church has swallowed 1 Corinthians chapter 9. They believe this. And I want you to feel this as, they, as we share this video. All right? Nathan, why don't you hit it? We've got a mission. Say it with me. It is to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. What are our values? Let me share a few. Number one, we will do anything short of sin to reach people who do not. Conference, and, and we saw that little video. And after that little video, Frank was like, whoa. <laughs> I want to go out there and kick some butt for Jesus. <laughs> um, these guys, that's a snazzy video, isn't it? Let me just tell you a little something. Life Church is... They're probably on the front edge of doing multi-site. They do crazy stuff. Um, they're probably the most advanced in terms of using the internet to reach people for Jesus. So this church started in Oklahoma, but they have they have uh, multi-sites in multiple cities across multiple states. And so that part where it says, "Don't say, don't you dare say we're too big," it's because they're huge. But look, I'm not trying to say that we need to become huge. I don't even know if we would be comfortable doing this, this internet kind of stuff, right? I'm not saying we need to be a church like them, but I want us to have the heart like they do. That's a 1 Corinthians 9 heart. Let me tell you something about, um, I, I listened to Craig Rochelle tell the story. You know how this church started? <laughs> this church started in a garage. <laughs> this church started in a garage with fewer people than we have in this room right now. So you're thinking, oh, you know, New Hope, English ministry, it's not, we're not too big, we can't do much. Really? That church started in a garage. That little app that you use, uh, the, the, he told this story of how they were trying to do something else, and that thing that they were trying to do to reach people on the internet, that thing failed, and out of that failure came this app. This app has been downloaded by more than 100 million people. And, and, and they have put every language they could possibly get on that app. And they have all these different Bible reading programs on that thing. So they probably contributed more to Bible reading than who knows probably any church on the history of this planet. It's crazy. It was a church started in a garage. And here's how he tells the story. Years ago, <laughs> and you need to understand this guy, Craig Rochelle. When I look at this guy, Craig Rochelle, he doesn't look like a pastor. He doesn't seem like a pastor. He was a former frat boy, and he still kind of sounds like a frat boy, quite frankly. You're looking at him, and you're like, dude, I still see the frat boy. <laughs> and so if you don't like frat boys, you might not want him to be your pastor. Okay? But he tells a story 
back then they would do praise and you know today we have like these you know snazzy overhead these these uh, these projection machines but back then they had this thing called the overhead projector you guys know what I'm talking about and it was this piece of, it was a, a shine this light out and this thing would get shoot up and they and the way they would put the songs up there is they would put them on these plastic transparencies and then and someone would have to flip those transparencies and I have these fond memories because my wife used to do that job in, in, in the church that she and I met in. And I still remember she'd flip these transparencies. But in Craig Rochelle's garage church, where they planted the church, the guy who flipped the transparencies was a guy who had recently come out of prison. And apparently two of his fingers had been shot off. So the guy would flip, and he would say this, and he, and he goes like, he goes like, ah. <laughs> the guy would flip the transparencies, and his fingers would show up on the light. <laughs> and people would sit there and sing, and then they're like saying, ah, and they start counting the fingers. <laughs> and they get distracted from the singing because a three-fingered guy was flipping the transparencies. That's how, and Craig Rochelle tells a story saying that's how pathetic we were. We had a three-fingered guy flipping transparencies. That was the church. Look, you come into a church, and some of you, you go, you see the building, you, you, you go, oh, you see the ethnicity, you see the cultural barriers, but if that's all you see, you're blind. You have no idea what's going on. Just clueless. If Jesus is being exalted, the Holy Spirit is in the room. And if the church is being the church, this is how they're going to think. We don't care about the barriers. The barriers will come down. The walls of Jericho came down when they did something stupid. They marched around the city for seven days. The people in the city probably threw things at them. You guys are idiots. You guys are idiots. And barriers came down. We're going to do stupid things. By all means, save some. The weak to the weak will be weak. We'll be weak. So save some. You know, this is, I, I just share with you some, some of the weird things we've done. We, we, we do first service. When we first started the first service, we didn't have a praise leader. <laughs> I, I, when, I, you know, when Craig Grisha was telling the story about the three-finger guy flipping the things, I was thinking, like, we didn't have a praise leader when we ran first service. We started first service. He said, if we don't have Sunday school teachers, then people with young kids won't have anybody to love their kids. So some people need to be Sunday school teachers, but if they don't get worship, they will shrivel up spiritually and die, and so then our mission will, will falter. So then I still remember this. We sat in, a, in I had this conversation with our six Sunday school teachers, and I, and I said, this is our problem. And I said, here are our options. Well, one of, our, and then one of the options was, well, you can wake up really early, and you could lose some sleep and sacrifice and get up in the morning, and you will shrivel up and die <laughs> spiritually, and then you can serve. And they, when they listened to all the options, they said, oh, man, 815, that's hard, but let's do it. And we didn't have a praise leader. I go, we, don't, we won't have a praise leader. It might kind of suck. 
In fact, it's going to suck. <laughs> and you know what our, how we did praise when we, when, the, uh, when we first ran first service? We used YouTube clips. It was, it was lame. <laughs> it was really lame. We're so thankful that Job leads praise in first service. All means to save some. And some of your kids are getting saved because we use all means to save some. Look, we, we're, we're trying. We go out to Bishop. Literally, it's two square miles. Those two square miles, it's another world. It's the Paiute world. And we will sleep on the floor. We will go to the gym. We will go. We, we sent our guys. They had this. We went once to Bishop, and they were running this. Um, they were doing this uh, a fundraiser for their local schools. And so it was like they were doing like a 5K run or something like this. And I asked, hey, any of you guys want to do a 5K run? <laughs> and some of our guys did the 5K run. And we contributed to their to enter their world. All means save some. And that's what we do. There's less than 2,000 people on their reservation. We raise up a ton of money. It's irrational generosity, just like Craig Grishaw says. It's irrational. We raise up thousands of dollars so we can have a bus so that we can send our young people to a two-square-mile world and to sleep on the floor, and so a handful of people get saved, and they, and they do. All means, say so. This is, what, this is the church. Let me, go to, let me close out my message. This, I, I deliberately placed this verse 25 in here. He says, don't you know that all runners run for a prize? Look, to be the church is tiring. It is tiring. There are people at Life Church, they spend a lot of time and they don't get paid to give you this snazzy piece of free software. It's totally free. You just go on iTunes or whatever and you just download these things for free. They're not getting paid, you understand, for this piece of software. And they're making it better and better and better. Somebody is out there figuring out how to put Tagalog on that software. <laughs> Somebody is out there figuring out how to put some language that you and I have never even heard of on that piece of software. It is tiring to be the church. This is the race that God is calling us to run. But because you guys know a, a really good athlete, he doesn't just prep for the race. He eats his food properly. He works out in the morning. He goes to sleep on time all to run a race in order to get this little wreath. And he's talking, he's literally talking about the, the races that is the forerunners of what we call the Olympics today. They literally put a wreath on his head. That's what he's talking about. But he's saying, we do this and one day there'll be an imperishable wreath put on our heads. There'll be an imperishable reward. And all of you, you're saying, and many times people in the church you're, you're, you're going, oh, pastor, you know, he, the pastor is going to just make us feel guilty. He's going to show up, so we're going to have to give him more money. Irrational generosity, that's the pastor's way to give us more money and give us more time so that he can build up the church. Look, we're, we're not building an institution here. 
The church is forever. The church is your prize. You understand this? Here's the imperishable wreath. Some of you are going to sacrifice your time. Some of you are putting on baby showers. You showed up early to hang these things. So that some of the kids, some of the parents and families who come into our church, they're going to have kids and they're going to invite their friends. So we can do this thing called the church. People you haven't even met. And one of these days, you will, you will grow tired doing these things. You're actually literally going to make yourself poor. And, one of the, and you're like, wow, why do I do all this? It just makes me so tired to do all this stuff for church, for God. And one of these days, the church, you understand, it's forever. There'll be people come up to you. There are going to be people who come up to you. And they're going to embrace you. You're going to have them forever. They're the church. Some of you, some of you gave. Some of you gave gifts to our missionaries. And they're working with Iranians. They're going to be Iranians. I can't wait for Iranians to say, I want to give you an In-N-Out burger because you gave us way more than an In-N-Out burger. You gave us Richard Joe. He translated the gospel into our language. And there'll be generations upon generations that will embrace you imperishable, imperishable reward. That's why we do this. That's the church. The outside, if all you see is the outside and the numbers and all this stuff, you don't get it. You don't get it. The church is an imperishable reward. It'll never die. To be loved by these people, to have these people, and then ultimately to have Jesus shine his face on you. Because this is it. This, this thing. To the Jew, I became a Jew. To those outside the law, I went outside the law. To the weak, I became weak. You know what that is? It's a spot-on description of Jesus. He became a Jew. And then he went to those outside the law. And then he became weak. He made himself utterly weak. He did irrational generosity. He used any and all means. He used the most outrageous means. The cross to win some of us, to win you and me. So we'll be the church to save some by any and all means. Be the church. It's the greatest thing that you could do in your life. I'm serious. Be in the church to be the church. If you think all these other organizations, if you think your favorite football team, the San Francisco 49ers, it'll be great. I love rooting for the Niners. If you think that's a good team to be a part of, who cares about them? If you think your company is a great team, Google, that's a great team. The church, the greatest team that's ever been on this planet, the greatest team they'll ever be on this planet, imperishable reward to be on that family and that family and that team. And it's always growing. All means, save some. Be in the church, be the church. Because Jesus made himself weak for us. Let's pray. Before I pray, I just want you to think about this as your head is bowed. We're going to sing a couple songs. And as we sing, you open your heart.
And would you dare ask, Jesus, make me like Paul. Jesus, make me like you. Help me to lay down my, my comfort zones and make me irrationally generous and use all means to save some. Make us, New Hope Church, use all means to save some. Would you dare ask this? And ask the Lord Jesus to plant this crazy seed into our church, to its midst, and turn us into this heavenly thing called the church. Lord Jesus, can it be true? You were in heaven. You made yourself a Jew. You could have hung with them who knew all the right rules and you came into a city. We are a crazy city so full of backwards relativism and and sick and wrong things, Lord. It's not just outside. And would you take the gospel, would you take new hope that we would use all means to save Iranians to save Paiutes, to save Vietnamese, to save Chinese, to save, to save Mexicans, to save those in this city, this great city, to become all the more greater would be the church. Would you do this in us? As we give of our heart, as we give our offerings now, Lord, would you help us give our hearts you place your heart in us by the Spirit. Bless us. Make this church better than a garage and break this church to be far more than we can see with our eyes to be the church.